Have you ever sat in a room with someone who is 3,000 miles away? With the new advancement of extended reality, the world is now able to communicate and interact with each other in these immersive spaces. Hi, lab mates. Welcome to the Social Learning Lab, a pod class about social learning at work. In today's episode, we will be sitting down with the creator of the community group XR and LXD, Tristia Hennessy. Our topic of this episode will be how social learning is being implemented into these virtual immersive spaces. Hi, lab mates. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Learning Lab. I'm Diego, your learning design intern here at Your Instructional Designer, and today I will be speaking with Tristia Hennessy. Hi, Tristia. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks, Diego. How are you? I'm doing great. So before we deep dive into what XR and LXD is, would you mind sharing with the audience your background in learning design and what got you interested in XR? Sure. Um, You know, interestingly, I think it was the other way around. I think it was XR that got me interested in learning design. Um, I was really fascinated by the potential of using VR for for learning. Um, And that kind of got me interested in like, oh, wait, hey, what what is learning design? What is training design and and e-learning? And and, um, so I started developing my career uh, in that direction uh, almost 10 years ago. And um, so I transitioned from administration and project management uh, to instructional design. Um, I got my graduate certificate from Portland State in building online learning and educational leadership and policy. And um, and I kind of started working as a contractor immediately after that. And, uh, and I guess the rest is history. I've been with Evolve Solutions Group now for um, close to five years, I think. Um, and yeah, I do mostly XR and VR stuff uh, on the side as a personal passion project and, and hobby. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, administrating the XR and LXD community group. Cool. That's amazing. And, you know, I think it's very important, like now looking at it, how fast we've advanced into this new like society of that XR is becoming a big thing. And it's kind of like the new way we're socializing and communicating with each other. So I think it's really interesting that you're at the forefront of it all and, you know, really helping drive that community sense. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes um, it, uh, it feels a little glitchy when, you know, we're, we're all spending the first 15 or 20 minutes of a meetup, you know, sorting out audio issues and, <laughs> oh, why am I stuck in the middle of this pond off to the side or like, you know, some, some funky stuff like that. Um, so it definitely comes with, uh, it's, it's challenges. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, it's been really exciting to see how quickly things are progressing and, um, you know, there's always new platforms and tools and uh, different VR experiences to try. So it's been really exciting to just, you know, even even sit by and watch it. Um, uh, but yeah, also to be a part of it, I guess, too. Definitely, definitely. So w- would you go in some more depth as to exactly the community group that you have built, um, XR and LSD, and explain to our audience, you know, what exactly the community group is based around and stuff like that? Yeah, um, so XR and LXD is a community of learning and sharing and practice. So the XR and LXD community was started by a few of us, um, including um, Leslie Early, Nicole Papayana Lugera, uh, Kristen Torrance, um, and a couple others that helped kind of get the whole thing started. And um, I'll, I can go more into that history if you want. Um, but 
you know, we were all kind of interested in, you know, what was happening in XR and, and how that was going to shape the future of learning and training design. And, um, and yeah, the, we wanted to build a community where people could share knowledge and share experiences, work out loud um and and just share resources and and learn and grow from each other and um i've so far it's been almost two years in and i i think uh we have you know pretty strong regular attendance we have a couple new folks that come and go and um you know uh it's it's been you know a slowly growing but steadily um involved community so it's been really nice to be a part of that's great. And I think, you know, that community aspect is definitely something that a lot of people I think look for, especially post pandemic. I think this is a great way for those who are still maybe afraid to get out of their own like circle to really like still get involved and communicate with people. So I really think it's great what y'all have done to really just, you know, drive a new sense of community atmosphere and social learning with each other and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So kind of where I want to learn more about is, what kind of conversations are you having within these communities and like, and what, you know, can, you know, our audience expect if they were to join the community? Yeah. So uh, we have a Slack channel where we kind of, um, you know, share links and resources, training, learning opportunities, um, job opportunities, all sorts of information. There's a bunch of different channels for different stuff. Um, and then um, in the monthly meetups, we meet the last Wednesday of every month, although that, Time may be changing soon um, uh, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It will be that time, at least for this month, but that time might change um, after this month. So um, just stay tuned. We'll, we'll have more on the Slack channel and on LinkedIn about that. Um, but on those, uh, during those monthly meetups, we kind of rotate topics every month. Um, sometimes we'll bring in guest speakers and um, you know have other industry experts come and share their knowledge and their expertise. And sometimes we just have um, a discussion and you know real informal and and talk about you know whatever that month's topic is. And uh, topics might be anything from I think the last one we did was three um, D modeling. We've talked about LMS and LRS considerations for tracking engagement in VR and AR experiences. Uh, we've talked about, um, you know, AR specific uh, tools and VR specific tools, um, UX considerations for VR design and AR design. Um, so yeah, the topics are, you know, uh, many and, and, you know, all, all, all different kinds of topics. So, um, you know, and, and yeah, sometimes it's just a informal discussion. We'll have, you know, a couple slides with some, um, you know, starting points, you know, to, to get us thinking and talking. And um, sometimes it's a little bit more structured um, with a presentation or a guest speaker. Uh, sometimes I've done um, demos where I've shared different VR experiences live um, and just like cast from my headset to my computer and then shared my screen that way. Uh, That's to, so cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but those are really fun. I enjoy doing that because I get to play around in VR, so it's fun right. for me. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it's it's also, I've heard good things um, and, and that people enjoyed it because they get to kind of see and try out different VR experiences that they may not 
have known about or may not have you know bought for themselves right away um so they get a little bit of a sneak peek into something they might be interested that's so cool and i think you know you being able to like promote also these other businesses that are like trying these new you know ar systems and vr systems i think is really cool and really inspiring to like see that going forward in the community and stuff like that and i think from you know a social aspect i think that the community has really been impacted by it and i think you know it's really helping like i said launch that idea of you know this is the future this is what we're looking at i know apple just released their a VR headset that that's going to come out with. So it is coming. I think this is definitely the next big thing in regards to just our culture now in society and how we're going about it. I think we're being more pushed technologically. And I think, you know, it's yeah. really amazing how much it's growing already and stuff like that. And so, yeah, Very so times we live in, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think, so how do you feel that technology has advanced through the pandemic. I feel like that has been more of the driving force because we have been so isolated that now we're like relying on technology. How have you seen that as your perspective? You know, um, I think it would have happened with or without the pandemic. Maybe, maybe it sped things up a little bit um, and maybe it influenced things in, in different ways that, um, you know, to, to kind of support that change in lifestyle, right? That sudden change in, in life and work style, really. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think all of, all of it was inevitable. The, the, the rise of AI and the, um, you know, the, the inevitability of, um, of, of immersive media. Uh, I, I really think it was an inevitability. I think it's the future and, um, you know, I, I think it's only going to become more and more integrated into the fabric of our lives, you know, whether that means that, you know, there's, uh, a, there's, there's something called the, the adoption curve, right. And, and it's a little bit of an S shape where in the beginning, there's a little bit of a, a slow, and this is something researchers have identified looking at different technology throughout time from the automobile to the microwave to the dishwasher to you know pretty much everything the cell phone internet um and uh um you can kind of see in the beginning things are a little bit slow to to happen and then um and then that curve just suddenly shoots up and as it becomes mainstream right and then and then it kind of levels out at the top where uh most people have pretty much integrated this technology into their lives and i think we'll see that same curve for for all of these other technologies just right now we're in that little bottom part right where it's right. it's just starting to go up and gotcha. and um it may take a little bit more time for vr uh and ar specifically to become you know, everyday tools for the majority of society, because uh, I, I think there are still some technological kinks they're working out um, and, you know, making that hardware more user friendly. But, you know, we saw some awkward moments uh, as well with even cell phones. Um, you know, I, I had a, a flip phone when I was in college. <laughs> um, my my and I know someone in my family at least had a Blackberry. Um, and, and by by today's standards, you know, those are pretty awkward devices. So, um, you know, I, I it'll it'll take a, a minute, but you know, I, I 
honestly believe that, you know, by the time that technology can fit into, you know, a pair of glasses like these, um, a lot of people will be wearing them. I, I don't sure. know about everybody and I, I'm not sure about most people because I don't like to speak for most people, but I think it'll become pretty ubiquitous with everyday life. For sure. No, definitely. And I think especially if it's a new fade or whatever, everybody's going to do it. Especially I think my generation of like, you know, the Gen Z's and all that, we're really going to be pushing that new technology. And I think that's what's really driven it is these younger generations that have are willing to try it. I feel like, you know, some of the older generations are like, mm, I don't know. But I think with the younger generations, it's like, I want to be a part of what's ever new. It's like that totally. FOMO kind of that fear of missing out. You have to be a part of it. You have to want to be and see what it's like. And, yeah. you know, if you're not a part of it, well, then you're missing out. So it's like, so I think, you know, that's what's been driving. I do think that it's important. But going back to that BlackBerry, I will say the flip phones are coming back with the new Samsung phone that has the new flip on it. I'm like, uh, I think we're going back a little bit rather than forward. A little but. different than the flip phone I was. <laughs> right. Yeah, we had to, we had to press three times for the letter G. So <laughs> right. I, I think it was I, G-H-I. Yep. Yep. We had three yeah. button presses for I. It was, was a real pain to send text messages back then also they were expensive <laughs> but yeah, but yeah <laughs> i i think um i think you're totally right i think um as you know i think younger people are definitely excited about the future of technology i i see more young people um you know even my my niece and um nieces uh you know are, are learning coding in school and it's second nature to them you know, and that was something, you know, I remember trying to teach myself HTML when I was, um, you know, 12 and 11 or 12. And, and uh, that was something, you know, most people I grew up with at that time didn't have uh, a personal computer at home, you know. Um, so to, to see and, and there were a lot of people that were skeptical about that, like, oh, well, you know, it's not. It, yeah, it's not the end of the world if you if you can't type fast. And, and you know, it, it really, it did make a difference in our futures. Um, and I think that those that did have PCs at home growing up, um, you know, they, they took different career paths than those that didn't. And um, I think it's going to be the same for kids now. The ones who learn coding in school are going to take a different career path in their futures uh, than, than those who didn't. And, um, you know, not that one is better or worse than the other, right? Um, we need people to do all sorts of jobs. And I, I don't think personally any job is is worse or better or less valuable or more valuable than another. Um, everything is necessary, right? Um, you know, our garbage men are necessary. The people who mow our lawns are necessary um, just as much as, you know, the people who take care of us in hospitals as the people who... Um, write our code and our software and our programs that help manage all of those other businesses. So um, I, I, yeah, I, I think there's danger in thinking that there's jobs that are inherently better, more valuable than others, right? Because we, we, it takes all sorts, you know, it takes everything to make the wheel go around. So sure. um, there's that, but uh, I'm into what I'm into, and, and I enjoy it and I, I love technology and it's exciting to me. And I, I love seeing the, the progression and, and I love exploring new tools and new modalities. And, and um, so, you know, you do what you love is, is really the answer, you know, find what excites you and, um, 
and and for me that's uh that's xr and technology and and virtual interactions and um games for learning and simulations like that's that's my jam so you know that's Definitely. what i do and i think for me too i you know being a graphic designer it's like that was like a last minute decision for me i think i didn't decide that i wanted to go into graphic design until my senior year and i think you know like you said technology did have a big influence on that because you know growing up it wasn't a big thing but now seeing how much they need graphic designers for you know the billboards and for the commercials and for every little thing you see there's an ad for you know it's like those graphic designers are so important and stuff like that and i think because of the technology it really gravitated me towards it and it's like you know because before the hand when you asked me when i was younger what i wanted to be i was always like a lawyer or a doctor and now it's like graphic designer and everybody looks at me like why did you choose that and i said i just love the idea of mixing art with technology and you know playing all of these tools and getting to just try new things and i think you know it's kind of similar in that way with the xr and all that's that kind of idea and so you know i think it's really cool how you know that's how technology has influenced us in that aspect and i mean we are socially influenced in some aspects to you know use technology towards how we want to go about our lives and stuff like that yeah and and i think that that intersectionality of art and technology um it is especially really exciting right now because we have new mediums that we're designing for right and um i i get just tickled every time i see like um you know these vr sculpting tools are really fun to me i'm not uh, I, I'm an artistic person in that I enjoy doing that kind of stuff, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> like, um, at least not from like a drawing or painting type of perspective um, or even sculpting apparently, but um, VR sculpting like in Gravity Sketch or Medium and, and those types of tools um, are really, really fun and exciting to me. I think that um, that's it's, it's, a, it's a total game changer. When you get in there and you can create a 3d object from nothing um i think is is just it's it's exciting on a different kind of level um so for audience members out there if you have the opportunity to try uh, a vr sculpting app or experience um go ahead go out there and do it right now go do it because it really changes the way you think about the possibilities of vr Definitely. at least it did for me so no for sure and i think that is a great way to segment into like our next question which is how do you see vr changing like the way we interact within you know these communities now like how do you like you said it it was changing the way you saw things so how do you think vr is going to change the way we see the world now um i think it literally changed the way we see the world uh in in that you know, once we have consumer level, you know, everyday tech uh, that that accommodates VR, AR, um, and I think at that point it'll probably be a little bit more mixed reality, augmented reality, um, you know, layered on top of what we see. Uh, you know, whether that's um, a little blinking dotted path to where our maps is instructing us to, to go for directions or whether that's, you know, messages popping up like, oh, you have a, a text message, you know, that pops up in the little notification in your corner of your vision or if uh, it's a, you know, your glasses warning you like, oh, that's too hot, you know, don't 
don't touch that. That's a hot surface or, um, you know, with temperature readings or, you know, telling you, you know, oh, you, you better calm down. Your, you know, your body is exhibiting some like, you know, maybe anxiety or symptoms or, of stress. Um, you know, I, I think that there's the possibilities of how that's going to influence our everyday life is, is it's almost unimaginable at this point, right? Like we, before the smartphone, we didn't realize how much our, our lives would be influenced by them. Right. And I don't think it's possible right now to fully grasp how all of the different ways in which our lives will change once that happens. But I think that it will, we will definitely need, you know, people to design those interfaces and design experiences that accommodate that medium. And it's going to probably be a little bit more integrated into you know, our everyday actions and the things we just do. And, and at some point we, we won't notice it as much, um, you know, the same way that I don't even notice anymore when I think, Oh, I should look that up. And I reach for my phone. You ever have that when your phone's dead and you're like, Oh, I got to send so-and-so a message and Oh, my phone's dead. Like I yeah. <laughs> you don't have access to a charger or something. And then, you, you know, it, it's almost like, somebody's cut off your hand like right like your life's falling apart at that point you're like oh no what do i do (laughs) right and and i i think it'll become so integrated into our lives that at some point in the future um you know i might i might be retired or in the ground by that point (laughs) i I don't know how long it's going to take but um but uh because you know i used to be very optimistic and 10 years ago i thought that was going to be our future now and so I'm a little less aggressive on my, on my uh, timeline with like when those things are going to happen because there's a lot of things in our way, um, but uh, it, it, it's coming, you know, one Definitely. way or the other, it's happening. For sure. And I think, yeah, for sure. I think, like I said, once it's, like you said, like the phone, exactly like the phone, once it's out there, there's no stopping it. It's going to be one of those things that spreads just like wildfire. Everybody's going to have it. Everybody's going to. And I think it's interesting to think that, you know, when you see like these movies, like um, that Ready Player One and stuff like that, where they've already emulated some of these ideas and these concepts, you know, we watch them thinking, oh, this is so far in the future, but it's really not that far as we think it is. I think, you know, a lot of times we'd say, oh yeah, it could, that's like based in like, you know, the year 3000. And, you know, we look at it now and it's like, well, we're kind of already implementing some of these ideas in our daily lives. You know, I mean, eventually it will be a part of, you know, especially the younger generations growing up now, they probably will see those benefits of that in their lifetime and stuff like that. And I think, you know, from an educational standpoint, it's really going to change the way we learn too. I think, you know, how they grow up, you know, we were the generation of cell phone kids, you know, we had all the social media, we had all that. And it's really changed the way we learn and we handle things because, that's how we were taught, you know, we learned through social media, what, you know, the trends and everything. And that's how we, you know, go about our lives and stuff like that. So I do think there is going to be that, you know, shift for that next generation of kids that, you know, right now we're seeing the similarities between my generation and, you know, kids that are in elementary school now. But I think that generation after, so when those kids in elementary school are now college seniors, they're going to be seeing those elementary kids in a different light than how we see them. So I think it's really interesting how things have just technology has really changed each generation in some aspects. Yeah. And, and, you know, that brings up a good point. I, I think that 
um, there's never been quite uh, the disparity between how generations grew up until very until very recently, the last you know thirty years, forty years is, um, and and so you know really only the last three generations of of Earth's history of the human history have we grown up in such vastly different ways and being influenced so differently by by you know our environment and the and the tools at our disposal at our disposal and how we learn um which is is really fascinating but at the same time it's a little bit um it's almost a little bit sad that there's so much disparity between these generations you know the technology is happening so fast that uh as a society we feel more divided by our age groups right um which which i think you know is is sometimes harmful um and and i i think uh you know we we have a lot of catching up to do as a society to mend our relationships and our communities and our um i i guess our our um social environments our social responsibilities and relationships right um I, I think we have a lot of work to do in that area. I, I think as exciting as the technology is, it it might be better if it slowed down. And it was, you know, interesting to read all all of those, um, you know, the the letters that came out from the the uh, scientists working on AI, how you know they they called for a stop to to AI technology work, you know, just to to pause on on these programs and pause training these language models because you know there's um things were moving a little too fast without us putting in place you know um rules and regulations to to help guide the ethics of how we handle and how we introduce these technologies and i i think that's just as important to to consider and think about um as much as i want to go 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 like let's see how far we can push this and you know what else can we do and and you know what new things can we create uh, you know, there's there's also kind of that that nagging caution in the back of my mind, like, okay, but you know, we do need to think about how we do this responsibly, um, right. and and in a way that doesn't, you know, further damage our our the fabric of our you know um, our society. So, uh, yeah, I I don't think those are questions up to me to answer, though. Right. <laughs> so, no, for sure. But I mean, it is enjoying the ride. <laughs> right. But I mean, it is a true part of the conversation, which is that psychological safety of what this technology can do going forward and stuff like that. And I think, you know, it is important that we do have open conversations. And it is important that I think, you know, everyone involved in the industry talks about it because we don't know what the repercussions are going to be introducing this new technology to, you know, younger generations and stuff like that. I mean, we know with the phones and everything and social media, it has caused a lot of mental health issues and stuff like that. And that's, you know, one thing that has really been a big factor is, you know, how do we protect these kids from, you know, mental health, you know, uh, and uh, uh, what is it called? Cyberbullying and stuff like that. And, you know, it is a big thing because they see it everywhere. And so, you know, going forward with, you know, XR, what is that, you know, going to be for them, you know, it may not be mental health, but it may be a total disconnect from society because they're living in their own world that they've made rather than a world that they're living in. So I think, you know, that's kind of where we are now is like 
while technology is good, it also, you know, there's also those worries of what it can do to us and what it can change in us. And, you know, I think it, I did a psychology class last year and they compared that technology is, you know, like a drug because it's, you know, stimulates a part of the brain that, you know, it makes you want more in it, you know, and that's what part of the businesses do is they, you know, they use these tools that make you want more and more and more of it so that way you keep, you know, being involved in it and, you know, it actually Absolutely. affects you and damages you. So, you know, I and think they make that is money helpful. doing it. They make a lot exactly. of money getting the, the longer you scroll, the more dollars in their shareholders pockets and, and yes. that was enough to uh, get me off social media for a while, <laughs> you yeah. know, so I, but you know, the, the onus, um, I don't believe should be on the consumer, right? Um, you know, there was that whole big push from Coca-Cola and Pepsi that, you know, with their um, ad campaigns, kind of putting the responsibility on consumers to recycle pro their cans and bottles and products. And, and that's effectively saying we're going to create this product that creates a ton of waste and is socially irresponsible, ir environmentally irresponsible, but instead of taking responsibility for it as a multi-billion dollar corporation, we're putting that responsibility now on the consumer. And, and I think that, you know, social media is almost kind of doing the same thing in that like, well, you're just expected, you, you have to regulate yourself. We're making this highly addictive product and we're pushing it to you in every possible avenue, but we're, you know, you need to regulate yourself and you need to make sure that you're not posting irresponsible things and you need to make sure that you're not doom scrolling for six hours a day or, you know, and I, I feel like there's, um, you know, that there's a shift in responsibility that I, I feel like we, we need to hold companies better accountable for their decisions and their actions and their pursuit of the bottom line um, that when it becomes harmful to society, right? And, and to um, human beings health. Um, but that's maybe a little bit off topic. Um, I, I think at least where it relates to learning, um, you know, uh, on a slightly lighter note, but, you know, we, we do have some responsibility as designers for the products that we create and that we put out there. Right. Um, I, I know I've made some pretty terrible training. Um, I'll, I'll own that. Uh, you know, there, there definitely are some, you know, largely animated PowerPoints that I've put out there. Um, and, and that's not, it's not fun for me to create either. Right. Um, but you know, it, it does take a lot of, it takes a lot of, um, convincing people that, you know, there are other ways of doing things and that we have new tools and we have new modalities. So bringing people around to the side of like, we have these tools, we have this technology, we can use it in better ways. Um, you know, you need to know how, you know, what are the possibilities as a designer? You need to understand what are the possibilities? What can I do with these tools? What can't I do with these tools? And how can I make it better? How can I make the experience better for the people that are involved for the audience? Right. right. Um, and that takes, it takes a lot of effort to bring businesses around to that way of thinking of beyond like this is the way we've always done it or this is the standard right because 
the standard is a lot of the times pretty boring and ineffective. Um, and we have, we have better ways. Um, and I, I think it's up to us to be advocates for that um, and how to use those tools and those modalities in responsible ways, um, but also, you know, pushing the, the limits, you know, and, and driving towards that future state and, um, you know, an improvement and, and engagement and efficiency. Definitely. No, yeah. And I think, you know, I, like you said, if as an instructional, as instructional designers, our job is to, you know, provide these training systems and everything for, you know, businesses and stuff like that. But I think it, at the same time, we have to provide it in a way that the audience is going to receive the feedback and take it and apply it. And I think if they're seeing, you know, the same old PowerPoint or the same information over and over, it's not, you know, really helping them grow. And I think, you know, AR in one way, I think is going to be part of these, you know, designing methods is because it allows them to interact and engage. And I think hands-on learning is more important than anything. And I think that's how you really learn. And that's how you really get a part of it. And I think this is a great way for people to really, you know, get that hands-on experience. And, you know, it's in a, you know, in a simulation that they're comfortable and they don't, you know, they're not having to go do it in the real world, but they're able to see how it would be implemented in the real world in that aspect. And so I think, you know, it's very important. And I think, you know, this is going to be the future of how we go about training people and how we go about teaching people about, you know, new concepts and new ideas and stuff like that. So, you know, like you Absolutely. said, it is important. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, the most important takeaway for me, the most important thing for me to kind of keep in mind when I, you know, have, have a, a new design I, I'm working on or a new training program or course that I'm working on um, is, is knowing, uh, knowing the potential, right? And the only way we know what's possible is by experiencing it, right? By seeing it, seeing examples. Um, you know, there's very little that's original anymore. Don't worry about copying people because everybody <laughs> copies everybody. There is 9 billion people on this planet. You would be hard pressed to be original in anything you do. So, right. so don't worry. I, I think, you know, um, people worry a lot about being original and being like, you know, this is my idea. It's like there, we don't have individual ideas anymore. We all build upon a collective knowledge. And, and I think, um, the, that, how you get to a place of, of creating things that are really great and really effective, um, whether it's for VR or any, any modality, is, is by knowing the possibilities, understanding the full potential of whatever your medium is. And you only understand that and you only know that by experimenting and by play, right? Through play, um, you know, uh, go out and, and try different apps, try different games. When you're browsing websites, even, you know, try to look at it from the eye of what makes this a good experience. Like, oh, why did I enjoy that website? Like, why did I actually like finding what, like looking for what I was trying to find on that website? Or, you know, why did, like, why was that game so good? Like, just think about what made it good. You know, what were the interactions that took place that, that, you know, piqued your interest or made it easy for you or what was intuitive about that interface, you know, when, when you have an app on your phone and you're like, oh, well, that was easy to set up, like really take some time to think about 
why was it easy to set up? What made it intuitive? What made it an engaging experience? Because I think those little day-to-day uh, -day things that we interact with are just gold mines of information for us to, to pull from and draw from uh, for inspiration in, in our design work. For sure. And that's some great advice, I think, for everyone out there listening. You know, it's definitely about taking what you see in your everyday life and applying it to how, you know, your work and stuff like that. And I think, you know, there's a lot of times that we very much look over a lot of things, but like you said, like the apps and like, you know, our tech, like our technology we have, there's so many things that make it easy for us to do that we could just be applying this to how we design things and how we go forward about it. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Well, lab mates, this is our episode today. Um, for those of you listening, if you are interested in learning more about XR and LXD or about joining the community, you can check out Tristia's website at www.xrnlxd.com forward slash or on their Twitter or LinkedIn at XRNLXD meetups. On behalf of your instructional design team, I want to thank you, Tristia, for being part of our pod class today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a blast. Great conversation. Thank you, Diego. What do you think of living in a virtual world? With the advancements of extended reality, the possibility of living in a world that you create are possible. While time will tell when these changes will take place, there are many communities already learning and playing with these virtual worlds, creating personal connections and learning opportunities in a virtual setting all over the world. Even if you don't have access to AR and XR technologies, there's one big thing you can do to start applying what you learned in this episode. Start thinking about how you design spaces for social learning, whether that's in person, in 2D, or in 3D. Now, for the Your Experiment, pick a top human skill you know your team needs to develop. It could be something like having difficult conversations or active listening. Design the perfect space for a social learning experience to support learning about this topic. Where would you meet? How would you set up the structure in the space? For example, would you have chairs, standing room only, beanbag cushions? Once you've learned that, share your design in the Social Learning Lab community on Facebook. You can get feedback and insights from peers, see how they would interact with your space. You can check out the full experiment brief in the Social Learning Lab community on Facebook. We hope you feel welcome and immersed in our social learning space. And now, I'd like to ask you a little favor. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a review, like, subscribe, or share it so we can continue to build a supportive group of social learning enthusiasts. Until next time, keep making learning that matters.